Hi, welcome to My Creativity, the podcast about being creative and producing output. I'm your host, Surrey. I reveal how I work, my projects, my process, well, my creativity. From the planning and goal setting to how I stay accountable for my output, to the way ideas pop into my head, and to the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and formalize it. Each episode, I start off by going over last week's goals. This is the way I stay accountable. I talk about last week's goals, I talk about my goals for the month, and at the end of the episode, I tell you about my next week's goals, so that the whole way along, you know what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And I like to invite my listeners to send in their goals. If you're not writing down goals and coming up with a plan, maybe you should try it. See if you get more done. See if you can stimulate a bit more output. So here we go. Uh, last week's goals was to review my monthly goals. And this is important because I have a monthly goal set from which I derive my weekly goals. My monthlies come from quarterly goals. So, monthly goals for July. Publish book two. That's interesting. Run 10 kilometers every week. That, that is a 10, do a 10 kilometer run each week. Release exit plan season three, episode one, and come up with my app ideas. And my app ideas being, I suppose more generically, the product that is going to form the backbone for Gravity Undone. Uh, I'll go into more on that another day. So my last week's goals then was to run 10 kilometers. I did that this morning. It was such a beautiful day today. Winter here in Mandra, often you get a week of just sunshine, 20 degrees centigrade. It's, yeah, it's kind of cool, but it's it's nice. It's beautiful. I need to record this last voice for Exit Plan Season 3. Yep, my wife has done that. That's nice. Finished Draft 2 of Book 2. Yes, I did that on Friday morning. Finished Draft 2. That was the listed goals. Now, additionally, I've recorded the first three episodes of Exit Plan 3, and that's coming along nicely. So today, I've got a special treat for you. I interviewed Casey Whalen from Audio Theatre for the Mind. He is the creator and writer of the We're Alive audio drama. If you haven't heard We're Alive, then I think you probably should. It was released originally in 2009, and it is a, a post-apocalyptic, let's say zombie-ish sort of uh, episodic drama. It's of a remarkably high quality. It was one of the earlier audio dramas to be released as a podcast form, and it is still actually one of the best. Uh, I suggest you go listen to it. In September, the next installment called Gold Rush is going to be released. Now, KC works as an audio producer the full time, and I got to talking to him, and this is what I asked him. Do I call you... KC or is, is that initials or is that actually your name Casey yeah it's uh so you can just say Casey um I'm, it is so uh my name actually comes from my mom's name sort of as a root it's my mom's name is uh Catherine Chisholm so KC um it came from her name and so I was a named after her um but my legal spelling is the you know K-C-C-A-S-E-Y I just have gone by KC as my artist name for such a like basically since high school uh, and even maybe a little bit before then, just because it's sort of been my, like, artistic version of myself in a way. Like, yeah, your pen name type of thing. Exactly, yeah. And I, I looked, I liked how it looked on paper because it was like a short first name and a longer last name. And then I was also like, it kind of an homage to my mom. And I was like, ah, this is kind of cool. I, I quite like it also because it um, makes, reminds me of the Alien franchise of the, the Whalen Corporation. <laughs> yeah well that's my my last name actually is Wayland, so that's my real last name uh and it's it's very uh very much me <laughs> so i'm just coincidentally i am in charge of apparently the alien outbreak that is uh, happening in space too so that's okay i'll take that <laughs> oh that's that's fine yeah you've, you've entertained us for a long time for that <laughs> so i suppose in that case we'll get straight into a, a bit of a bio uh i know a little bit about you but um 
where we need to cover off who you are. So if you could tell us, say, how you got started, what your, your creative outlets are, what you might be known for. Sure. And what's coming up? Okay, so my name is uh, Casey Wayland, and I'm the the writer, director, and creator of a, a podcast called We're Live. And it's a serialized audio drama. It started back in 2009, and it tells the survival story of a group of soldiers and their the people, civilians that they find along the way in downtown L.A. And the story sort of compounded and expanded from there. It went uh, for a full four additional seasons uh, after it debuted. And then we did another offshoot fifth season with uh, one called Lockdown. And then the next one after that that is coming out in September is called Gold Rush. So it's our, you know, our series has continued for over a long period of time. Uh, it's garnered over about 150 million downloads. It's kept on expanding and getting bigger as it goes. Um, and so that's sort of the thing that I've been known most for is that. Um, I've also done other podcast work around the field. Uh, working in theater for the mind, I teach at USC and Chapman University um, for uh, this theater for the mind, how you teach audio for people who don't really know or haven't really thought about creating stuff simply just in the audio realm. So a lot of the, the ins and ends of that and wrote a book about it called Bombs Always Beep. So it's sort of been my, the audio production field has been like where I've been living for a long period of time. But before that, I actually worked on documentaries. I worked on a couple feature length ones. Um, I actually did one documentary about my journey overseas as a soldier. I used to be enlisted in the army, um, and I was a broadcast engineer for the uh, for my unit. And it was I was sent overseas, and I did a lot of different um, broadcasts. I worked with AFN and AFRTS, which are sort of the radio broadcast uh, places. There, that was some of my exposure to radio elements in that capacity through the army and and that broadcast radio segment. Um, and then before that and during, I graduated from Chapman University. I was uh, I had a degree in writing and directing and have been sort of doing this art stuff my whole life. I, ever since high school, doing stage and just uh, lots of video stuff. Like I was the kid who, who was Dawson Creek, basically. I was taking a camera out on the weekend and filming my friends and putting together movies all weekend long. So that was sort of my, my life. And little by little, I've sort of grown into somebody who now I'm, I'm working in a lot of different capacities at different stories, pitching ideas out there, trying to get stuff for TV. And I'm sort of, I live in California, so I have sort of a connection to Hollywood with actors and such. And so, yeah, I'm sort of like a little middleman who is slowly trying to make their way up the ladder and to hopefully a very more comfortable position. And so I, as I understand, We're Alive was originally a, a TV pitch. Is that correct? Yeah, I wanted to be The Walking Dead, essentially. I thought that there was a great vacuum on television about survival horror, and there really wasn't something that could have been, like, lost, but in the post-apocalyptic zombie survival world, and that's sort of what was what We're Alive was going to be. And uh, no one really seemed to fish or like that idea, and then all of a sudden, right afterwards, uh, I was like, hey... Let's. I'm just going to make this an audio drama, and then slowly but surely, Walking Dead came out, and then closed a lot of those doors for television production for We're Alive. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I suppose there was also uh, the opportunity there. Z Nation came out on Netflix, so uh, I suppose everything was. That's all of the required zombie shows for for TV gone. Yeah, no, there's a lot of, and then and there still were even more than that. Uh, it's just one of those things where they take a look at our show and they look at how much it would cost versus, uh, and they're like, well, there's a show that has that kind of exposure already. Uh, it doesn't make sense for us to do the same thing. And da, 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 da. even though we are vastly different in our own ways and we've been showing it over and over with our new uh, and continued storylines, it's just something that, you know, some people look at us as just a zombie fiction and think, oh, it's just like The Walking Dead and not really know how vastly different we are in terms of theming, character, and everything else, and just the way that it's even presented. Or, or maybe Gold Rush. Because uh, I don't think there's anything... There's, it's not really... That's a historical one, as I understand it. It's uh, No, I, it's it's even crazier than that. Uh, oh, <laughs> everyone oh, thinks it, it's a Western, like... Well, it's not, it doesn't actually take place during Western times, but it is takes place in the We're Alive world with Western themes. It's sort of a side story um, that is very... Uh, think City Slickers meets the zombie apocalypse meets uh, kind of a, a more of a slapsticky comedy in some ways. It's very, very different. It's very unique and uh, something that I don't think anybody could ever 
or ever would make unless they actually had this crazy idea like this. Oh, okay. Because uh, my impression was more, I guess, from the uh, We're Alive, they came across, or they, they mentioned these symbols and things being found in mine shafts or something in mm -hmm. South America. So I was sort of thinking, oh, maybe it's like a bit of a prequel. Oh, the origins of them. No, it doesn't sort of doesn't go into that that deep. That that I will say that that area does exist uh, in terms of the We're Alive world, and we haven't really been able to dig that deep yet. Um, that might be some future stuff, but uh, Gold Rush is just a different area. It's sort of, um, it's kind of like a side adventure with a lot of the characters that are already in the story, um, but we kind of, it's, it takes place when we did a big old time jump. So it goes back to when a lot of characters are together and alive uh, and almost happy for the first time. Oh, okay. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. September it is then. I'll have to... I'll have to wait and find out. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, actually, we might uh, we're working at some some behind the scenes stuff to actually get out advanced previews to people who do reviews and things. So, um, so yeah, if you're interested, let me know, and we might be able to get you on the list of like a oh the review, early reviewer thing. Oh, that'd be pretty interesting. Uh, getting. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Would I have to not tell, give spoilers? That would be hard. Well, it, it, there there would be, um, I think with all of these, we would allow a, a certain amount of spoilers. I mean, you couldn't give away too much in the story with what you're given already, but it just kind of gives the uh, idea of impression of what kind of story we're telling. I think that the story, and once people hear it, they'll they'll get an idea of what it is, but it's hard to understand it until you actually hear it in the capacity and also how it is structured within its own world. It kind of um, it's it takes place at two different times. It takes place both at the current time of we're alive that we're at, like which is years in the future of where we last left off, and but it also jumps into the past to dive into a storyline of of you know retelling the story of Robbins and this this really crazy adventure involving this this gold rush quote unquote that they go on. Okay, so you're talking about audio production. You've written a book and movie. Well, would you consider uh, you're, you're primarily an audio producer or do you see yourself in a, in a broader capacity as a, I guess, a fiction creator or, or how, would you, how would you call yourself? Um, I think at the base, I, I kind of have done a little bit of everything. I've done the, the writing. I've done, uh, I've done actually a, a decent amount of acting. I've dabbled in everything. The only thing I'm really known for probably is my audio production stuff just because one of the things that is, and I've recognized about myself, is I do have uh, a decent ear and ability to understand sound. And my connection through the audio edits and the way that I write is very connected to the sound. So I've, I've found a way to execute my vision through sound. But more or less, I think at my core, I just would more want to be full writer. I think doing the sound design and doing the editing and doing all the audio process... Um, is great and I love doing it, but it just it's the thing that I would do nonstop if I could is just write and just work on story and figuring out characters and, and everything. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you on that one. I, I think that's there seems to be, uh, I guess, that sort of split there. You do get people who are creators that they, they want to create, I guess, content or background story. And then there are the people who want to create as they want to interpret or or develop these sorts of things. So you get you get the people who who don't really care too much about which story they're producing, as long as they get to make it sound or look as good as possible. But then there's the people who want to make make the greatest story that they yeah. can. You know, writers, yeah. So it, it, it you can always it's nice to kind of go back and forth between the two and. I mean, the more you work in, it's just like if you were doing this in film, If you, the more you're in the editing bay and then on set, you, you kind of get a better way of knowing, okay, here's what works on the page once it reaches the editing bay versus what doesn't. So it's kind of nice to have that element of it, but at the same time, it is still very uh, daunting. It's, it's, it is a lot. So what, what draws you then to writing or to creating, uh, I guess, would you classify it as science fiction really, isn't it? Um, so. Yeah, mostly it's well, I 
It depends. I usually do science fiction that has a very grounded base in reality with sets of rules and restrictions, only because that's how I think every reality is, including the ones that you create. They have to all be grounded in a sense of reality. That's, you know, that, that's how they have weight in their own world. Um, but for me, it's like just the limitless possibilities of it. You can, with writing, you can go anywhere, do anything. You don't have to worry about the execution of the idea. You just have to worry about the, the execution of character and thought and story. So I do love that aspect to it. But at the same time, you know, I, I like the execution of it to where I can assign a voice or a meaning or a subtext on the action uh, into the text that can be, you know, illustrated through the acting side of things. So it's, you know, there's a mix of both of those. But, you know, the writing side is really what can be anything. So are you working on, say, more video things or are you trying to push more into that or are you going to stick and try to um you know produce more audio do you think um more or less i've been doing more audio production mostly because it's sort of the one of the areas that i i'm sort of specialized in and have a lot of experience with and then there's actually in terms of people who can understand and hear what a good performance is versus not a good performance with just their ear that's hard to do and a lot of people need to have sort of a knack for it. And I think that's one area that I, I you know, I've, I think I'm more trained with and one of the reasons why I get better jobs in that area. But, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to say. <laughs> it really is. I think, um, I don't know. Well, if you, if you were given, uh, I suppose, unlimited reign or budget and resources, which, which direction would you take? I think, the the more impact that I could have would be visual. I think it would be more fun because I think also um, as much as I love doing audio, the audiences seem to be limited. There are it, it's there are a lot of people who can really get into it and understand your storyline, but there's some people who just they'll listen and they just can't put themselves into that reality. So I think that it would be really fun to start to show some of that reality onto film. Um, it sort of has been one of my dreams to do some of the some of these things on film but i also i've gone back and forth because i really do love the raw emotional connection that is just the audio performance because it's just the acting there so it, it goes back and forth um i think that uh it would be nice to have the kind of impact that you do with films and see it in the capacity that far as films go but who knows maybe audio will finally get there because i really do love doing uh audio and kind of gold rush is is one of my like audio thesis of of the things that i think that we could do in in this medium it sounds it sounds pretty good i've having listened to we're alive and that was 10 years ago now that you started on that oh yeah um <laughs> yeah I, i've got to say i was, I was very impressed with it. like i came from audiobooks uh listening i found myself on the train uh, or I suppose the main thing, riding to and from the station on my commute, and I could listen to audiobooks in the car while I was going to pick up the kids and so on, because uh, I was finding myself not able to to read physical books much. So I got into audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I went through a whole bunch of those, and I got a new phone contract. Uh, you know, my old one expired. Got a new one which had uh, unmetered Spotify. Oh, and so I was listening to this is when I. F- First started listening to streaming music as well because prior to then I had a an iPod, a little shuffle thing that I'd go. I do a lot of running, so I'd I'd go around and listen to, that, listen to that. And I thought I'll give this a try. This Spotify, I was listening to the music, ran out of audio books, and I went, "Gee, this this is podcasts. Uh, obviously, they've been around for a little while, uh, but never was part of my life. So I, having an unmeted connection for podcasts, I thought, well, they're kind of like audio books, aren't they? So mm-hmm. I, I found myself. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I just came across We're Alive exactly, but whether it was a recommendation or it was just... Um, just a just random, bra- like... Yeah, just hey, browsing through and feed, saw, like, yeah. the, the little picture and went, I'm kind of interested in that. As you said, you know, Walking Dead and things. So I, I yeah, fired that up and I thought, wow, these these podcasts are awesome. People put so much effort in. Since then, <laughs> I, found, I found out that the, the, the it ranges from the, the very sparse shall we say, such as uh, my audio drama, all the way through to, is it like full production, you know, with... Um, the crazy full, sound effects yeah, and Yeah, lots of studio and, and, and music and the rest of it. Uh, so oh, it's, quite, it's quite good there. So, But I can, I can definitely see then that 
my wife, for example, she can't get into audiobooks. She's mm. tried to listen to audiobooks, but she kind mm-hmm. of she she finds herself, I suppose, getting tired or sleepy when she's listening to them. So interesting, she, yeah. Whereas that- she can she can read textbooks like you know, physical books just fine, but audio just kind of uh, doesn't spark it for her. Yeah, it's it is very interesting. It's just every everybody receives their information differently. So it's not that it's the not that the medium is almost not unappealing, but it's just a certain people just really don't receive it the same way. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but so yeah, for me, it's it is um, it's a good medium. Like audio really does work very well for me. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and I, I really. I really do struggle myself to to come up with good audio for um, well for anything really because it I suppose it's a bit of an art form. But I guess you've got a you've got a book there on about that. Do you have any instructional videos about audio production? Um, I do I, every so often. I mean, I I have a whole bunch of little tech tips and things that that I do on my Instagram. That's at uh, Wayland Prode. If anybody is curious to find me out there. Um, so I do a lot of little little tech tips. Like the other day, um, I was saying that uh, when you're doing a Foley session, you want to record all your stuff at once in the Foley session and then do noise reduction first before you start breaking up into individual little clips. Because, excuse me, um, if you try to do the adjustments on the individual clips, it'll just take longer when they're split up. So it's just better to start doing things in bigger chunks rather than splitting things up into smaller things. So things like that, like little tips that just help in the workflow or um, the other, there was the other day I was doing gargling and gurgling and just swallowing water and air at the same time because if you just swallow just water by itself, it doesn't make much noise. But if you swallow a little bit more air, it does. So little things like that. That's uh, Yeah, that's uh, one, of those, uh, one of those points about, I suppose, production, both video and audio, is that often reality and... Uh, the the audio medium or the video medium don't don't mesh. So no, it's a, it the, can be very deceiving. You can do pretty much like nobody sees where I work, <laughs> so that's kind of nice in some ways. Not that I'm working in like a dungeon somewhere, but frankly, sound artists can work in dungeons. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've got the uh, the granny flat out the back of the house that's been converted into a uh, my studio. Exactly, because that's the nice thing is 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 sound you can actually record pretty much anywhere as long as you get enough a quite enough space. I say as I click my pen, (laughs) and you can look quite strange doing it too. I had to warn my wife one time where I was recording some screaming. Oh lord! uh, (laughs) I had to to say, okay, don't worry, I'm okay. I'm just going to be doing some screaming, and then I had to, and because it was at night time as well, because that's when it's nice and quiet around. So I had to limit myself to that because I figured if I scream too many times, the neighbors might start <laughs> They're going to call. They're going to call somebody. <laughs> okay, so uh, you've done a lot of production, you've done a lot of movies and things. You've had to have produced, uh, come up with a lot of goals that you set yourself. So the question then is, how do you decide on what your goals are going to be? And how do you, I suppose, work in around the rest of what might be termed real life? That's the hard thing. And actually, I'm, I've... I've been juggling with this for 10 years now because that's how long I've been doing it. Um, and every year comes with new hurdles, whether one year uh, around season four, I got married, had a kid. Other times you have conflicts within productions that you have to go over through hurdles. Like businesses and all this stuff have bumps in the road and life kind of throws at you curveballs and you either go down swinging or you just, you know, lean into the pitch, take a couple of hits and keep on moving along the bases. Sometimes you have to just keep on moving, but um, it, it's hard to keep it going. It really, really is. Um, and for me, for my long-term goals, I look at, well, I have a lot of stories I want to tell. I mean, Gold Rush was one that definitely I wanted to tell. I have another one that I'm working on uh, next called Scout's Honor. Those two I want to have produced and move forward for sure. After that, I do have one last storyline and a couple other ones that are um, pretty big that I've been trying to get out there that I'm really hoping that one of them is visual that might ever get picked up and another one is is audio that I'm hoping to have it'll be a little bit more uh, lucrative financially to you know build another series. So it's just little things like that I'm trying to to continue growing. And for every series that I get done or move the IP forward, that's a little bit more success because it actually gets harder as you get 
you know, as you go and get bigger, it gets harder to get more productions done because costs go up and expectations go up. It's always, always, you know, you always want to keep on moving forward rather than going backwards. Yeah, I can understand. So you're talking about your, I suppose you've got these stories you want to tell in the future. Do you have a, let's call it an abstract vision of where you see yourself or Whaling Productions in, in that sort of 10-year frame? Um, I would love to be continually producing stuff year-round with lots of editors underneath me continuing to edit stuff, more productions coming in, um, and just generally the medium growing underneath us and bringing in more ad sponsors and just basically building more and more storylines and such uh, in a regular capacity. I, I'm hoping that that'll be our future. It's it's something that I've been building for for a long time, and I think eventually we're going to get there, but it's one foot in front of the other. Like when we first started on the pod, in this podcast realm, there was nobody out there. And now we're seeing tons and tons of new audio dramas out there. And we hopefully and personally, I've, I've gotten a lot of, you know, information and, and feedback from people that we've inspired a whole lot of new ones. So it's kind of nice to see it grow. And hopefully our next production will push it even further in the medium and, you know, just kind of keep on jumping to the next one. And so you're thinking Whalen Production will have... Uh multiple storylines at the same time does that mean multiple writers or would you be the only person writing on these no i think i think we have the ability to do a lot more productions and storylines and uh in general there's a lot of other creatives that we could work with to make more stories so we're continually looking for other stuff like that but also doing it the smart way which is just growing slowly and not you know overextending ourselves or you know biting off more that we can chew or process at the time because it's it's a slow grind, but I think it's going to be a, a hopefully a bigger grow soon, especially as you know Gold Rush will start to hit the waves. Yeah, I I can see there'd be a, a difficulty in in balancing, I guess, the desire to grow because often I find myself in that impatient situation where you you have all of these ideas, plans, goals, visions, whatever you like to call them, and you want them all to happen. Yeah. And so I, I've I've had a few times myself where I've had to sit back and go, okay, that's okay. I've got, you know, these things take time and you can't, you know, if you do jump into too many things all at once, as you say, it, your, your quality control for each one drops. Yeah. And it's it gets, it gets hard to keep up on things. I mean, I will say that I kind of do juggle a lot, like different storylines and such at the, the same go, but... Oftentimes they're so connected that it's it's easy to keep track of some things. But yeah, you do kind of spread yourself out, you know, if you go too many things. So do you have a formal goal uh, writing or planning, like a project management process, or do you do you more sort of go, okay, I'm going to work on say Gold Rush, and then you, uh, I guess, work on it as the as the logical steps that have come up. Yeah, it. So I actually am, am multitasking that. Um, so what I've been doing since uh, lockdown came out, I would, was, was working actually on Gold Rush while lockdown was being worked on and trying to just start that kind of storyline and figure out where that was going to go. Um, and so it's it's always like I'm producing one, but also writing one and preparing another. So it's I'm always like three production steps ahead in terms of where they're going. Um, so where Gold Rush is, you know, in the last stages of production right now, we're currently uh, in the middle of writing Chapter Two of Scout's Honor. So that one's still that one's moving forward, and then I have another storyline that I'm actually in like Chapter Three of. Uh, so I'm still I'm working a lot at the same time on different things and working with different writers too to try and multitask as best I can without spreading, you know, too thin. So is that in a in a documented? steps that you're you're ticking off uh, on a weekly schedule or is it uh, as a task naturally presents itself you you apply yourself kind of kind of yeah kind of the natural progression of of elements and everything like especially with things like scouts honor like we literally um I, we went to the island with uh the original writer 
in 2017. So <laughs> we we did an exploration of the island, did all the routes and things that we wanted to do for the backstory of what was going to happen on in the story, uh, just to get the characters, the outlines, and everything. And we spent a really long time flushing out all those ideas all the way for the next year, so much so that we even uh, switched writers afterwards to continue on the storyline because uh, the other one just didn't have time. So it was just... It's been a progression of things, um, but you never know. Like this writer just didn't have enough time anymore, so we had to switch out. Um, you you go through these things, um, but you always you know never know what's going to happen. So sometimes there's delays, uh, whether it's funding takes a while or this or that, and you just try and tackle the things as you can get them done. Um, the logical progression of all stories is you have to get the outline done first, get that done. The next is the script, and so that's usually where most things get hanged up. Uh, is a script writing phase. Everyone's got a good idea, but the execution is where it takes time. It takes a lot of, you know, the words on the page is the dialogue that will carry you. So, yeah, you have uh, the, to get right. the good old, uh, there's always a million ideas and let's see, uh, making, none of them are, I suppose every idea is good, but not every execution Until you try is. to make it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that didn't work out too well. Or that speech you read on that page that really just sounded great in your head. But just comes across as like forty-five seconds of droning monologue. Yes, yes. Tell me about it. I know all about that. <laughs> uh, particularly if you're if you're working on a a, a budget with voice actors. Uh, you know, oh yes. Of, uh, I'd like. Yeah, it'd be great to have like fifty a fifty-person cast, all in a massive studio doing table reads and all the rest of it. But sometimes you can only get two people. Yeah, it is. Well, I, w I will say that we, that's where we started was we started small and kept it just the local actors, nothing big names. Um, and then you can grow to that spot only. And it, the nice thing is once you get to that size, it does get easier, but that does not mean it doesn't come out with its massive amounts of complications too. Like arranging those 50 people with 50 different schedules. Oh God, sometimes I want those seven people remote. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I've I've had to try and organise with uh, you know, playing in a band, trying to get four or five adults in a room at the same time, just once a week. It becomes almost impossible. As yeah, life just gets in the way. Everyone's got excuses. It's like pulling teeth. Yeah, it's like I oh, know I can't do Monday nights because the kids have got this, and I can't do Tuesday nights because it's the only time I get to do that, and so on. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Well, I suppose. I suppose you you talk about a bit about funding. How have you gone about securing funding? Uh, have you have you had to sort of put together uh, pitches for investors, or has it been a case of um, I guess just advertiser funding? Or how's that sort of looked that process more so than the actual funding itself? It's been a mix of both. Um, it's been a mix of some of our funding sources come from different. Uh, like our podcast network is will front an amount for the project that we're working on now, but they're also working on getting the advertiser base in and all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of it comes from advertisers and packages like that and pre-sells and they sort of work to get sponsors early on board. And, and our number base is a lot of uh, really a lot of repeat listeners, too. So they still funnel through advertisers that way and, and use that sort of as a, as a way to, you know, get listener CPMs and such. So it's, it's sort of a mix of a lot of different funding sources for this kind of stuff. Um, but there's also the, like our last project got funded by Kickstarter. So we actually did a, a funding source from people. Um, each 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 little place that you end up getting uh, funding from, you do actually have like, there's caveats to it. Um, and so for us, we kind of have, have done a mixture of like Patreon plus exterior funding sources to keep everything moving and flowing and um, keep keep the the doors open, so to speak, and the servers running. Have you had to modify any of your stories or production to satisfy your funding, your either advertisers or investors or or you know Kickstarter patrons, what have you? Um, not yet. No, we haven't had to do any compromises on the stories that I can think of. Um, I think one thing that we may have done early on was we had to add um, mid-rolls into everything that weren't exactly built in uh, originally, and that was something that was new 
that I had to uh, insert and develop into the into some of the storylines because finding that right spot is kind of essential. So things like that happen. But to be honest, I kind of like the cliffhangerness of some of these because it makes it feel more like a, a more organic show in some ways. So I kind of it, it depends uh, some of the compromises, but I think most of them have been uh, a net positive for for the show. Yeah, like it would have been interesting if uh, you'd imagine a car dealership or, or network saying, you know, yeah, sure. Toyota would love to sponsor you. You've got people getting around in cars and things, but you know, we don't want any of the cars that the main characters are getting around in to crash uh, or something yeah. along those lines. So it's, Cause I know there, there are TV productions that have that. Uh, we're, talking about, yeah. we're talking about the walking dead that's sponsored by Hyundai. And so for a, for a while there, it was quite noticeable that the characters were driving, the main characters were driving Hyundai's, <laughs> and they were all clean and working. Oh, God. So the only crashed cars on the sides of the roads that, that were you know, zombie infested and so forth were non-Hyundai cars. So, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you just sort of wonder, though, uh, at what point you sort of say, well... You Come know, on. You, you, like, when, yeah. Yeah. We're gonna go too far. So I I don't know. I was interested to hear hear your the brand on the that. brand new cars. I mean, granted, we have not had to have to do that, but you never know in the future if we have to do that sometime. Everyone has to sometimes bend the knee when it comes to certain things and take things as they are, especially when it comes to advertisers. But thankfully, we haven't had we haven't had to get to that point yet. Oh, that might be a good problem to have as well. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. If it's if you're dealing with that kinds of money and you have to deal with that those kind of happy people, oh for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what about influences here? So you you said you wanted to produce. You identified a um, a market space, I suppose, for a survival horror, and that was before, or I guess, close to simultaneously with The Walking Dead. What what sort of influences have have there been on your um, production, your storylines, but also then the way you present your stories? Have you copied anyone? Not copied, but you know. Been I think inspired? Lost was a really big influence, both po- both positively and negatively, because um, when when Lost came out, Lost was one of those really big inspirations for serialized writing, because I love the cliffhangers, I love the time they spent with the characters. Um, to me, Lost was the the big next show that was going to inspire the next writers. I think that it was going to be like, oh, this is going to be a model for what you do and don't do. And a lot of ways I took from that show what you didn't do to storylines or how you kept them concise and how you, if you planned everything ahead of time and gave yourself enough room, you can really justify a lot, but you have to plan over these things and really make sure it makes sense in its own world and its own ideals. Otherwise, it comes across as false. So like those kind of like pillars of what to do and what not to do, I kind of learned from that show. Um, and uh, yeah, in terms of the audio space, there really wasn't much in the audio space. Aside from, I will say, I'm a big fan of the Jim Dale version of Harry Potter because it's amazing and he can do all the voices. And it's basically was the one of the first audio dramas I listened to unknowingly. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was a huge influence on me. Yes, I agree with you on Lost. That was very inspiring, but also very deflating in many ways. Uh, <laughs> it was just, uh, a, yeah, a good, a good, a good guide. Yes. Okay. <laughs> very well, much in that so. Case, in that case, and we're talking about lessons. So, what lessons have you learned? Um, not about necessarily uh, the actual art of production, but but running running production and producing things what would you like to you think pass on maybe to the next generation or to your own children uh one of the things that kind of comes to mind is that especially dealing with so many of these ip things and what i mean by ip things is intellectual property anything that it construed as a character storyline all that stuff that is the bread and butter and what is actually valuable in any story i don't care if you've made a movie a book anything the stories and the characters are the things that are the most valuable and you have to retain control over them at all times um if you're going into production if you are partnering somebody with a storyline determining who owns what 
owns, quote unquote, or who has an influence and resources of, of characters and storylines and such. While you don't think it may be important early on, it is because you, there is always people who will, will wonder or challenge or you always want to make sure those things are, are, are set. And I also warn about contracts and stuff put into writing that will actually try and take things that are your IP. You have to be very, very careful of stuff like that because there's it's so valuable that other people and other companies try and hold IP because IP makes money for them. So always be careful of that. That's actually something early on to consider and think about and work out between creative partners. Yeah, so far I've been lucky in that uh, I've been a sole producer. So those questions haven't really come up, but... They I eventually suppose, will. They, I suppose, to everyone. They eventually will to everyone. If if you grow large enough and somebody wants to make a adaptation of you... That means they want a piece of your creative property as a partnership in that thing. Whether you would like to give them a piece of it so that it becomes bigger exposed to become a TV show usually is a good business deal, but in terms of how much control, percentage, and things like that is always something that you have to negotiate and figure out ahead of time. Well, I think that's what one of the things that J.K. Rowling did with her IP was mm-hmm. I think she, she required... It. For the movies that she had some sort of control such that she required if the uh, character was British that they had to be a British actor, not someone putting on a British accent. Yes. That sorts of things, yeah. And, and honestly, I'm very glad that they did that because it's that kind of authenticity that makes something, well, tolerable, to be honest, when it comes to accents because as, as much of a blessing as a good ear, it's also a curse because there's so many bad accents out there. Well, you end up with uh, situations like uh, Russell Crowe and uh, our own uh, Black Hawk Down, and, and he did the Hulk. Can't remember his name now. Eric Banner, not Eric, Eric Banner. Banner. Yeah, Eric Banner. Uh, the yeah, the accents might be questionable at times. I certainly- yeah, it's hard. It definitely, it definitely can be hard. But uh, yeah, it's it's accents are the things that can kind of give you away, and your ear can really discern what's wrong. Yeah, okay, so IP, I guess Disney also with their Mickey Mouse, they never want to let Mickey Mouse go. So <laughs> no, and a- also you, you almost have to control it too because like there's some people who are like, oh, hey, I'd love to do a, a side story of We're Alive. It's like, okay, but if you plan to produce it, we're probably going to say no because that's our that's our thing, guys, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like I know. if somebody's like, oh, yeah, I want to make another We're Alive audio drama. Excuse me? N- no, no. Cease and desist. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I and from I think from a creator's perspective, uh, I would yeah, if someone said, yeah, I'd like to take a, a yeah create a, another audio drama or a computer game or a book or something set in in one of the worlds I've created. I, I suppose on one hand I'd be thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's very flattering and that'd be really awesome. As you said, it would, it would expand my reach. But then there's the other things. Well, oh, hold on, where's that going to take? My, my brand, I suppose. You know, what if they, they introduce it one of my main it characters? it can be like and... IP ruining too because if they don't do it right, then people don't respect your IP. Well, or yeah, they... they may give up on it and then you'll never get an adaptation again. You really get an adaptation attempt once. And if it doesn't work out the first time, it ain't going to happen again for a long time. Yeah, the, uh, there's a, a number of the science fiction stories that I've, I've reviewed have been you know, in production hell maybe 10 years or 30, 40 years in mm-hmm. production. There's an Arthur C. Clarke story, Rendezvous with Rama, which has been in movie, it's been optioned for movie since it was written because obviously he came up with the, he was worked with Kubrick on the 2001. So anything he produced, people wanted to possibly make it a movie. Mm-hmm. So since 1973, I think it, when it was written, it's been in some sort of option state with various <laughs> various names and people and writings and rewritings. And oh, it's, good Lord. It's failed to, failed to get out at all. I think, um, oh, goodness knows why, but but as you say, there's, there's a lot of complications. Yeah, and it can come around any corner at any time and you really don't know what's what might be the issue in those kinds of situations. Okay, then, well, ideas. 
ideas, your IP. Do you have a, a mentor or a buddy that you workshop ideas with, like particularly say maybe your uh, more peculiar concepts? Weirdly, I, you know, I, I looked at this question and I kind of wish I did. I mean, I, I talk to my wife and I talk to other people, but I'm not like pitching them the ideas. I'm usually like just talking at them with my stories. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I got this character. I got this. Da, 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 da. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you like think? That. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take too much attention, pay too much attention, but what do you think? Yeah. Um, it's not like, and it's not like I'm looking for like the, sometimes I'm just looking for a response, but I kind of do wish I had that in a way. Um, but some of my internal ideas, I kind of workshop inside my own head and in, in my own writing and stuff like that. Uh, I've used, I've kind of been used to being a kind of a solitary writer in that regard because it's it's easy just to maintain with just one person the the order of what you want to do or sometimes you don't really know what you want to do because it's not in words until you get to there in writing and i've written enough to where my process is kind of like i'll sometimes do outlines sometimes i'll just jump in the script sometimes like it's always depending on the scene of how much i want to like jump in or, or prepare and i don't know it's kind of freeing just to be by myself in that regard but i think it would be nice to do more uh, more co-op stuff with, or at least mentor status. Um, I just haven't really got, I don't know, I don't have any other buddies that are, I think, the same creative level, if that makes sense, like in terms of they're not doing kind of similar things, or I don't know, I have a couple of people that I might talk to, but nothing that's as a mentor status, I think. I'd, I'd love to get to that. What about your business ideas, where you're moving Wayland Productions, for example? Have you had any uh, strange... Had to had to find some support for some unusual sources of uh, promotion, or yeah, we've done some interesting things. I've had a lot of conversations with various companies, different ad campaigns. Um, a lot of people have different suggestions for where you should go for this or that. Or um, so I, I, I talk a lot to the different uh, audio produ- producers that are out there, trying to get their feet on what they're going with, where where they're getting work from, sometimes where their advertiser base is. Um, and then there's other, you know, you watch the other podcasts and such, but it's, it's one of these things where nobody really has the best model or the best idea right now. They're all banking on something different. Some of these models are banking on IP, making it big. Some of them banking on like their listenership growing and establishing a more of a user base. Like everybody's trying to do, find their own way of, of carving out enough of this, uh, podcasting niche to just make a living and, and sustain and build. Um, so that's that's sort of the, the, the hard part is sustaining and building. For me, I'll always have stories and they'll always be good. And I'm enough of an editor myself that I can keep everything going to the capacity of like, well, you know, at least we can continue producing. So it's, it's one of these things where I think that I'm going to outproduce the problems of growth eventually, maybe. That's kind of my, my model. Um, but at the same time, I, I can look at other outlets and see, okay, there's some other people that are making some great stuff. We could do some partnerships with future productions. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying different things at the same time. I'm, I'm being farmed out and working, say farmed out as in like, I mean, contracted out to other productions and such to help them. So I, I kind of do a little juggling. And I think the more that I teach also, I get to inspire other creatives that can help us and actually have been able to make connections with students who are making more productions and saying so. It's kind of like uh, I think my my model for business is just continue to build, 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 as and more people building podcasts and more things in this medium will just increase the amount of exposure and eventually make it easier and easier to produce in this space. Have you thought of, uh, I guess, as you're talking about farming out, have you thought of sort of, uh, I guess, passing out some of your IP or licensing to uh, other mediums? So you're doing audio and. I guess at the drop of a hat, you do video, but what about, uh, say, novels or computer games or um, visual, you know, like what are they, graphic novels, that sort of thing? Have you thought of licensing that off to other people to produce? I have. Um, the other part about We're Alive and a lot of that stuff is I'm incredibly controlling with it, um, so much so that I've canceled one book that didn't meet the snuff. Um early on like it just was didn't work out so that one didn't went away but actually we're working on another book right now another uh sort of uh manuscript style 
uh, novel, novella, how, however you want to look at it. So we, we're doing that. Uh, and I thought about doing comic books as well. The uh, one thing is always my question is, why are you doing it in this medium and what can it benefit from it? Um, so that's and we do have a couple storylines that might benefit from it to go into the comic book. So we've, we've talked about it, um, but there's always this thing where it's like I won't do an adaptation unless it can be done right. Or it can be true to itself in its own uh, IP because I also don't want a lot of confusing elements across the different uh, mediums. Okay, then. Because there have been, obviously, a number of graphic novels to video. Uh, Bring up our good old friend Walking Dead, for example. But there's also been some podcasts to graphic novels that have been quite successful. Um, but, uh, how, how would you evaluate, you know, I guess, truth to medium, if you will, what, how would you translate, like, uh, what sort of audio would be required in order to be worthwhile as a visual? Because if you've got a very audio rich, I can well imagine you're talking about, say, artwork or, or yeah. these computer games are also very visually, um, rich. How, how yeah, do you see that, the- that relating? Yeah, with the comic book, it's it's hard to, like, if if I'm thinking about a survival horror, like, like quote unquote zombies in comic books, the immediate immediate um, idea of it goes to Walking Dead. So it's almost like going into the medium is going to be a fight anyway, in terms of being able to be your own brand. And if you've already done things uh, with your uh, entertainment sonically like the very element of the infected of what you can't see is the scariest thing is a really big thing that works in our favor um and inside of a comic book we just be regurgitating the same thing and so why why do a comic book of the same original stuff that we're doing unless we do something new so i actually would want to do something new and then so it'd be one of those kind of things where if we were going to do the original one it seems very very too close to what the walking dead would do and so I was like, mm, we could do something different in that medium and make it better. But so that's the juggle is like why I'm very protective about it. So I don't want to go and just farm out into another uh, medium without it actually being worth it for for the IP. I guess not until you can produce a, an Avengers Endgame and get three billion dollars in a weekend. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of the, like, I mean, as as we talk about the economics of things, I hate to say it, but comic books are not one of the best economic outlets i mean comparatively to audio dramas it's not like the biggest winner i mean you can you can do well with it but also at the same time it's tough it's a very very tough gig and the minute you get into printing the gig gets much harder with your overheads yeah so you've uh, what about um let's talk we talk a bit about inspiration and your um i guess influences but when you're having trouble say producing maybe a a bit of writer's block or things are a bit slow do you have any non-production related activities that you like to participate (laughs) in to to get new perspective or get new inspiration um well i do a lot of uh, legos (laughs) as as a matter of fact um i do a lot of uh, lego techniques which is the sort of like the engineering legos so i'll build robots and i'll build uh, battle bots and I'll build uh, you know weird looking tanks and all kinds of different machines uh, matter of fact sitting over to my right I have a dinosaur uh, that walks and its head goes left and right but it's right now it's in testing phase because the head goes too fast and it just rips right off um, <laughs> but so stuff like that I have uh, I really like creating and tinkering with my hands because uh, I spent so much time on the computer that I wanted to have something a little bit more physical um, so after my surgery, I ended up getting pretty big into Legos and uh, because I couldn't go anywhere, I was like, yeah, I can just finally sit here and just keep my hands busy because I'd, I'd go crazy if I wasn't actually building and making something. You can finally so. justify playing playing Lego. Yeah, if you ask my wife, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I kid, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's it's one of these hobbies that it, like Legos are expensive and anybody who's like, Wait, why do you have to buy that one? Because it's got that. This, see, see these gears here? I could use these gears in the next thing that I'm built. Can't you see it? No, no. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hard sell sometimes, uh, but at the same time, I love doing it. And you can, I can always rebuild something and you know tear something apart, make something new, and 
Uh, I don't know. I'm just I I like to create something new every single day, whether it is uh, through through Legos, through writing, through audio drama. Like it's it's one of these things where if I'm not creating something every day, I'm I feel blue. You <laughs> know, it's like coming out of my pores. It can't be stopped. Uh, well, in that case, that's sort of I suppose that's also a bit about how you refresh and rejuvenate yourself. You've got yeah, you've got a, a lot of things you're doing. You end up probably feeling overwhelmed at various times. Yeah, playing, playing I play video games. Yeah. Video games is a, is, a, is a way of shutting down a bit. Yeah, we, uh, video games as well. I play a lot of games. Um, very very big on Nintendo, so I play a lot of like Smash Brothers and various uh, Mario games to play with my son and stuff like that. No, oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, I, I I'm the uh, I play the Minecraft with my son. He's, <laughs> he's seven. Awesome. So he's totally into it. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those those games that kids can like, oh, I can just build things infinitely. Sweet. Yeah, he's getting pretty good. He's getting pretty good. And, and then, of course, he watches all the YouTube videos associated with it. Oh, yeah. How do I do this and this? That game is confusing to me. And I, it's like, yeah, you have to watch a lot of those YouTube things. Okay, so for your production then and for your life, do you have any particular philosophy that you like to follow? Is there a a methodology to your madness? Um, you know what's weird is as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more shrewder and I've gotten a little bit more bohemian. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of, I've become more blunt and a little bit more like, well, that's life. You know, just roll with it. It's, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of been very uh kind of rolling with the punches with a lot of things but i also love to do political commentaries and things through my artwork and uh i don't know i think that in a lot of ways art is the only thing that can really save us and communicate between us so i love putting a lot of that in there and the only way that other people will listen to somebody else's perspectives is they're not if they don't really realize that they're listening to it and that's that's kind of what art does. Um, not a lot of art nowadays. A lot of art nowadays, you look at the screen, they're telling you exactly how to think, what to do, and what to feel. Um, but real art that gets down to the deep and really dredges your soul and says, hey, look at this in this way. Did you see that before? No? Cool. That's why I'm here. That's kind of what I want to do in my way is hopefully be able to make some of the art pieces that I want to eventually that could really impact people. And while I do insert some of those themes and we're alive and some of the stuff that I'm currently doing, I do try and find some sort of like positivity in what I want to do and what I want to write. Cause it's, there's so much grim that I, I tend to not to dive deep in the drudges without at least seeing some sort of way of uh, getting out of it. Yeah. I, I often find the irony is someone will, or kick up a big stink about, say, a painting or a sculpture or something, and sort of say, "How is that possibly art? You've you've done this and the other thing, and it's just it annoys me." <laughs> and you can I always sit there and think, "Well, it sounds like it's been effective. Then it's done its job. It's made yeah. you ask the very questions. What are we coming to in a society where we think that a a bottle of urine is art?" And you go, "Well, we've come to the point in society where we have to ask that question. That's what's that's what that artwork is." Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's just it's philosophy it's that's what art is 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 a different perspective to look at and ultimately it's it's about communicating a message whether you like it or not and whether you know how to understand that message is entirely up to you okay then I, that's all of the the sort of formal questions i have there one last thing of course is we need to know uh how to get a hold of your work where to find you and uh, what uh, we've spoken a little bit about what you're working on now, but if you could, yeah, let us know how to get a hold of you or, or follow you. Sure. Um, so uh, if anybody remembers, uh, let me just back. <laughs> let me start that over. I was like, where was I going with that? <laughs> uh, if anybody's interested in following me, they can take a look at our website uh, at www.we'relive.com. Uh, that is the We're Alive website. It's got all the episodes for what we do. If you're curious about the other productions that we have, we actually do have. Excuse me. Uh, we actually do have quite a few of other productions as well that are audio centric uh, on our website. That's WaylandProductions.com. And if anybody's interested in following me on Instagram or Twitter, 
It's at Wayland Prod. That's W A Y L A N D P R O D. Um, I sort of be- was Wayland Prod forever because I was Wayland Productions, and now there actually is a Wayland Productions like you know Instagram on top of that. So if you want to follow them, uh, but Wayland Prod is pretty much wherever I am on those uh, social media handles. So feel free to follow me. And uh, yeah, Gold Rush is coming out in September, and honestly, it's one of these audio dramas that I don't think anybody's going to expect. Um, and I think that uh, it's going to basically redefine what people think audio dramas can do. I'm very much looking forward to that because uh, I know that many people have been inspired by We're Alive. It's it's often brought up on on the you know, Reddit and uh, in Twitter as as recommendations for starting places. Yeah, it's it's one of these medium or excuse me, it's one of these uh, styles that tends to grab a lot of people who are used to movies because mm. we're very much about like trying to visualize as much as we can with sound to sort of make that bridge to show and connect the world and voices uh, with each other so that they actually feel like they're in the same place. And um, I think Gold Rush does that in a way that no one has attempted to do before in a new entertainment sort of style with cross cutting and using the layering and kind of doing stuff that requires three years of planning in order to pull off an idea, you know, through script to recording, to editing, to music composition all the way back out. So it's like that kind of stuff is really hard to do to get all those layers to work together. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, medium sometimes, but I really think that it's got the most infinite potential. Yeah, I have to agree. I, th- I think that there is a lot of opportunity there, but particularly now that it's become, uh, I think it's mainstream to have streaming services of all sorts. Everyone on the train is is reading you know, books uh, online, and they're all listening to things. They're watching videos, um, streaming down audio in cars, where you can't watch video is yeah a natural progression. And I and I do think that one day there will be. I mean, there there for a while it was serial. Serial was that audio uh, production that really drew people to the medium. There, we're waiting for that one audio drama that's going to be like, here's the one to listen to. And who knows, maybe it's not going to be ours, but I still think that the medium will eventually hit that point where it's like, this is the best one we've ever heard of before. That's going to just bring in a lot more uh, art and life and, and we're going to see just a revolution happen. So I think we're getting close. I think we're in the silver age now. We're just waiting for that golden age. Yeah, I think they took, call it the killer app in most of the time where they... That, that one, like, uh, I guess Minecraft was one, and uh, I guess iTunes in general was, was one of those sort of killer apps, which which opened people up to a, a new a new thing. It redefined things, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's still coming, and there's been a few, what was it, that uh, Luminary has, has certainly had a go at, you know, they're trying to brand themselves as being the way to access podcasts. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, it's an ever-changing thing. And and honestly, it changes every year. I mean, you're going to see different different things, different productions come and go. And honestly, with each production that you see, each season presents themselves new arguments, new complications and problems. It's like it's a it is a long form thing. And just like television, you have some seasons that are good, some that are bad, some, you know, technical issues financial issues it's all these things are going to run into the same sort of hurdles that uh that all art productions go through and so it's inter- it's gonna be interesting to see what the next couple of years do for the medium and, and see how it grows and really becomes i think uh hopefully a real big mainstay in uh the audio spectrum and really the pocket of everybody okay well thank you very much for talking it's been it's been great to get a bit of insight into to what you're doing and, and how you do it Yes, thank you, sir. This was, this was really fun to, to get together and, and chat about all this. All right. That was awesome. Casey Allen, he was a really nice guy. He was very generous in allowing me to have his time and to talk, and it was, it was a very good talk, I think. Hopefully, everyone listening got something out of that. And uh, I can only stress, when Gold Rush comes out, if you don't know when Gold Rush is, get onto Twitter and follow Wayland Prod. Follow the hashtag Gold Rush. And you'll get more news about that. So, next week's goals. Again, next week, I'm going to run 10 kilometers on the Sunday. 
I'm going to slowly work my way up to that 16 kilometer quarterly goal. I'm going to record, finish recording all of the Exit Plan Season 3 episodes, the lines, so I can get to yeah, producing all the sound effects, putting them all together. I want to create the Exit Plan 3 theme song. So the first two seasons I put together, I, I composed and recorded the little uh, sort of hard rock theme. And I'm going to be putting together something for season three as well, a little bit different. Begin audiobook of book one. So I received my hard copy of book one from Amazon. It's beautiful and it, it's turned out okay. The, the font size, I suppose you might say it's sort of an easy reading size. It's a little bit larger by a point, I think, than what you might find in smaller fonted books. It's it's a 5 by 8 format, but I think the font size is more a 6 by 9 sort of format. So I actually quite like it. It um, it makes it very clear and very easy to read everything, which is it's really nice. So I'm going to be creating an audiobook version. And what I've found is, already looking through the the hard copy, I've found a, a number of areas that I would like to improve. And as I said, I'm very much of the opinion that you should be constantly improving and iterating fast. So just because I finished and published book one doesn't mean I've finished making it as good as it can be. So as I record the audiobook, I'm also going to be editing and updating the text of book one. And that's it. That's my goals. Thank you very much for listening in. I hope you've enjoyed this special episode. Next week, we're going back to uh, me. I'll be talking about some interesting points regarding creativity and then later on maybe another couple of weeks time i've got another interview with a fantastic artist she's a painter she has also however created an audio drama around one of her paintings if you haven't caught up with it it's called arca four five six seven oh my god i think i've got that wrong that's not cool arca four five six seven two it's a science fiction audio drama about this planet called Arca 45672. And it's based off a painting that she's, or a series of paintings regarding the life forms and, and daily habits of creatures there. So check out that uh, audio drama and then in a couple of weeks' time, check up on the interview. In the meantime, stay productive, have fun, be nice to each other. See ya. See ya.